and um, no, they've come along very well. Yeah, your daughter Tony has done exceptionally well over the last couple of years and uh, she's certainly a, a very neat rider to watch and, and I guess uh, you must take a lot of pleasure out of that. I, I have watched you at drafts with the kids, you know, you always give that little bit of encouragement but you always say it's your your ride, you make the decisions. Um I remember asking you to pick a beast for someone and you said, I'm not doing that. That's up to them, for them to work it out. It's a, it's a hard thing. So is that what you tell the kids? That's what I'd do, but you make your own mind up because you're the person chasing the beast at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I give them, normally sit there with them and they have a choice and sort of give them a bit of a hand. And I, I, I guess over the years, camp drafting, and you would have seen it, has changed in relation to cattle. There's lots of cattle that come through drafts now that don't see a lot of horses. Yep. Do you think it's getting harder to pick the right beast? Do you think it's more of a luck game now? Or do you still ride into the camp and go, I know that this is the beast that I can put around? And do you spend a lot of time sitting on the camp rail watching? I don't think it's luck or anything, but like before you ride into the camp, you know you've got a fair idea what beast you're going to take unless you get a fresh beast, of course, or a couple of fresh beasts. But, yeah, normally before you ride in, you know. You don't subscribe to take the fresh? No, not necessarily. No. It can be always something in the yard, but... It's an interesting thing and we go to lots of drafts and, and we hear lots of opinion about the cattle and, you know, there is aren't they are good, they are bad. Do you subscribe to the theory that everyone gets the same line of cattle and it just delineates those that can from those that can't. I think um, we're pretty lucky to be chasing any cattle really, but, um, you know, what they're worth and how dry it's been. and Absolutely. You know, all of those factors come in to this, this great sport of camp drafting. And I guess, um, do you say to competitors when you're, you are a judge, you need to be appreciative of these cattle because uh, there's someone who's put up a lot of time and effort to have these cattle here for us to do the sport that we love? Well, I don't do a lot of judging, but before, yeah, I've done a bit of judging and um, that's what I normally say, that to look after your cattle and nearly every judge today says that, so. You say you haven't done a lot of judging. Is that uh, because you don't like it? Um, there wouldn't be many camp drafters around with as much experience as you, certainly on the circuits in this day and age. Do you just think it's not your thing, you would rather have a go or... Uh, it's, you know, certainly not something for everybody, I, I don't think. And, you know, we can be critical of judges, but it is that person's opinion on the day, I suppose. Do you, do you ever ride away and think, that was a tough call, I, I would have given myself a better score? Or, and I mean, I know we all want, think we're, we should, be you know, do a perfect round, but I guess you've been around enough to know that some of your runs are better than others. And uh, when people watch you, they can say, that was a better run of 80s or... 80 wasn't on the hymn. I had run too many rums last night. He's just looking a little bit dusty today. Yeah, no, I used to be on the judges panel and um, sort of when I was um, overseer, I never, like people would ring up the judge and I couldn't do it. So I just ended up taking my name off the, off the list. judges mm. panel and no, I actually like judging and yeah, it's it's an interesting sport to the uninitiated, I guess, in how it all runs. If you were talking to someone at a camp draft who'd not been there before, what would you say to them is the best part about the sport? I mean, 
clearly you're a horseman and you love horses and that's probably what makes you do it is is you like the horses. But if I was Joe Public who thought I was going to go to the local Taroom Camp Draft and have a look and I really didn't know much about it and I sidled up to you at the bar and said, Adi Lamb, why do you Camp Draft? What would you tell me? Well, what really surprises me is People don't ride horses all week. I normally ride them all week and for them people to do well, it's unbelievable and like I ride them all week and sometimes I battle. Yeah. So. And so I guess, you know, it's it's obviously your first love has to be horses to be in this sport, isn't it? Because. Yeah, that's it, yeah. I, I mean, I, it's not professional in that, you know, you certainly don't do it for a living. It's in fact quite an expensive sport to be part of. It but is, yeah. There's people around who go, so you ride a horse all week, you get paid to ride a horse all week, and then you go and you do it on the weekends for fun. Why do you do that rather than go and play cricket or play football? Is it your love of the horses? Is it the love of the sport? Is it the people? What I like about it, it's a family sport. Yep. I love horses and... Yeah, the family aspect of it is certainly a, a big issue and a big theme when you talk to lots of people about the sport. And I guess you must take a great deal of pride out of watching your kids because, you know, you've put a lot of time and effort into them. I actually love watching Tony and Lane and JJ draft and I actually get very nervous or more nervous when they draft than when I do. Yeah, you know, I can understand that. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into it. To become the best in the country, how far have you travelled to go to a draft? Birkenwills. Birkenwills is the... <laughs> that would have been a long haul. Mm. Yeah. I, I have been to Darwin once for the first Pearl of the North. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's the furthest draft I've ever been to. And so let's talk a little bit about the breeding of horses. You're renowned for having good horses within the industry and you're renowned for having good horses outside the industry. You're renowned for being a good horseman with good horses. What do you look for in a horse? When you ride a horse, you get a young horse and you ride it, is there any you go, I am just wasting my time here, this thing will never amount to anything or is it sheer persistence that you put in that makes every horse that you throw a leg over worth riding? Normally, if I don't like riding something, I won't throw my leg over it again. But, you know, when a horse in our line of work is something that walks good and chases cattle nice and stops nice and rolls back over itself, I like to keep it all nice and easy. Yeah. And and so do you think that comes from breeding or is that Adrian Lamb, the horseman, who can make that horse do that? No, I think it's from a good breed of horse and... And, I mean, let's not sell yourself short here, Aidy. You are a good horseman and, and that's not bragging on your behalf to say that. You've put in a lot of time, effort and energy to get to be as proficient and as good as you are. For the listener out there who's, you know, an up-and-coming camp drafter, an up-and-coming horseman, do you say to them, you've got to be persistent. You don't just get on a horse like a playgirl and win the draft. I've put a lot of time and effort into her. No, and, that's it. And you need to do the same, mate. Yeah, no, there is a lot of time and effort into getting a horse ready to that stage, you know, like a open horse or whatever. There's a lot of hard yards go into that. Mm. So when you so- someone sidles up to you at the bar, which they must do every draft, 
and ask your advice about how you get your horse, you just simply say time and effort or do you do you say, well, mate, I can tell you that horse is never going to be any good because it's from shit breeding? Well. You're not quite that direct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. T- time and effort on the right bred horse yep. is good. So let's look at some of the fun times you've had. You've been doing this for a long time. I and, have. And I'm sure we could sit for hours and, and you could tell us stories for hours and hours and hours. But what are what are some of the best memories that you have and some of the funniest memories that you have of being part of the Camp Draft Circuit? And let's face it, it's a big family and you come across the same people lots of weekends and I would suggest your best friends are probably in this industry. So what are some of the funnier times that you've had? One of me actual best memories is going to um, Clermont finals and and winning the Clermont Gold Cup. And so what shenanigans went on after that? Um, Don't tell me you just went to bed straight afterwards because I know that wouldn't be the truth. I think I might have actually. <laughs> was that because the night before was a big night? Yeah, no. We partied on and had a good night and... Um, <laughs> so, yeah, when you go home after the last, you know, this weekend and then and you'll front up again probably next weekend and the weekend after, is it the mates that you've got that make you do that or is it the horses? Is it the family? Why do you do it? I mean, let's get real. It's not the cheapest sport running around and you certainly don't win a lot of money unless you're lucky enough to pick up a couple of big drafts, which you will have been lucky enough to do in your time. But if you're t- saying to Tony and to Lane, this is good fun, kids, and you want to keep doing it, why? Um, I just love um, camp draft and, like, it's a, you know, the kids can do it and um, JJ can do it. Like, we've spent a fair bit of money over the last five years breeding the good horses and we've got a good line of mares and I sort of hope the kids will carry on and draft them later on in life. So I guess you're working on the preface, a family that plays together stays together. Yeah. And and that is, I think, one of the redeeming things about this sport and it's certainly a theme that comes through from lots of people is that you can all do it. One of the things that I have noticed in this sport is it's a great leveller. Adrian Lamb could have won the Australian title last weekend and this weekend he can be at a draft and be cracked off in the camp. That's it. I, I do a, a bit of announcing and you quite often hear people walk out right out of the arena really annoyed and say, you know, everything's wrong and nothing's right, the horse is not good enough, the gear's not good enough. And I always say to those people, don't be like that because the next person behind you who's had a lot more experience than you may just get cracked off too. Um, That's it, yeah. So when, when the kids right away disappointed, do you say that is this sport? You yeah. know, you're not going to win every time. Uh, never think about the bad times, only think about the good things you've done. Yeah, that's right. You know, after you right away with your experience, you know exactly what you've done wrong to, for, to not have worked out the way you thought. What do you say to JJ and the kids when it goes wrong? I just say bad luck and if they sort of a bit disappointed, I just tell them not to think about the... What just happened, just think about the good things that they've done. So with your experience, do you sit on the fence and, and then, and not in a bad way, but say to them, you know why you dropped that beast? 
because X, Y, Z, or you did X, Y, Z then, or do you just let them work it out for themselves because I, that's no, what you did? No, I try and help them as much as I can and just say to them, you know, like if they drop a beast, they haven't rode across far enough in the yard or yep. things like that. Mm. Well, you would have watched countless thousands of people draft. Oh, I have, yeah. Um, who's your favourite to watch? There's too many. Is there? To, I've got a few in my mind, but, yeah, there's too many this day and age. Yeah, yep. But, you know, like, you know, I'll pick four off the top of my head and, like, it's um, Stephen Kamiski, Pete Kamiski, Ben Hall and Terry Hall. They're me. That's what I always sort of watch and learn a lot of over the years. What's the biggest change that you've seen in your time of drafting? Is it the gear? Is it the horses? Is it the the places that you go? Once upon a time, everyone, back when you were young and would have started this out, you would have turned up in a pretty average setup. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah. changed a lot with um, vehicles and trucks. And when I was first went draft, when I was in ju- junior, you'd be in a swag in an old truck, and like vehicles now, it is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, goosenecks and. And the horses. I guess when you started out as a junior, and I'm assuming your father was a drafter, that's sort of how you, the progression came along. Yep, that's um, what who started me off drafting was you, my you, father, yes. He would have, and and you would have in your early days, just drafted the horse that you out of the paddock. You know, we're going to the local Taroom camp draft this yep. weekend, get a horse, son, and yep. get it on the truck. Don't No more mucking around. No, that was it. Do you think the amount of money and the time and the breeding of horses has changed the sport or do you think it is the equipment, the setups, the venues that that has changed the sport? Probably more the setups and equipment has changed the sport. Yeah. Um, we see some pretty impressive impressive places. Where's your favourite place to draft? Not necessarily the one with the best setup or the flashest setup, but where's the draft that you have the most fun? True. <laughs> <laughs> and that would go without saying for lots of reasons. <laughs> well, why is Taroom your best? Because you're just you're at home and you know everyone and everyone knows Trim, you. Taroom Golden Horseshoe, I've had a lot of success. Yep. Mm. And, uh, and, uh, and lots of fun. And lots of fun, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not far to go home on Sunday when you're not feeling very yeah, well. Yeah, no. <laughs> I run the finals at Taroom, I think it was in 1991, and... I went into the novice final leading on Leroy's brother, which was wide awake, and I got that drunk that night. JJ had to put me boots on me the next morning, and I ended up winning the uh, novice. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good fun. <laughs> I'll bet you didn't party quite so hard after you won it. <laughs> no, or did you no, back up again? No, no that's for sure. So that probably is one of your best memories. What's your highest score? You've had some pretty good scores. I, I uh, had the, the pleasure of uh, calling a draft not long ago and uh, three times we had to run off to uh, to get an eventual winner and all of those scores were not scores to be sneezed at. What's your highest score been? 93 is my highest score in camp drafting. On who? I had a 93 on a chested horse I used to draft years ago. I won the... Monto Open was Carew, and I've had a 93 on Playgirl. Mm. It's a sport, and we still like to think of it as a sport, but it is nearly verging into an industry. Do you campaign horses, or you find you don't have time for other people? 
to do that or you just like to ride your own horses and be in control of your own destiny? And do you think there's a place for, you know, the campaigning of horses? I don't normally campaign any horses for any people, but I've drafted a couple of Greg Wright's horses at Birkin Wills and at Warwick and them type of drafts, but I was pretty lucky because that was one of Greg Wright's mares I won Birkin Wills on, a streetwalker, and um, that was probably the only second draft I've rode her at, so I was... And so sort of, did you campaign her or did there something happen that Greg couldn't ride her? No, what happened was we had to draft at Tarum, the Golden Horseshoe, and I was taking his old Palomino stallion up Costa and we were loading him on the, our truck and he said, you may as well throw this one on too, which was Streetwalker. And we went on the next weekend to Alpha and it was the first time I rode her and I think I was second in the restricted at Alpha Honour and and then we went on to Birkin Wills and ended up winning the Open. Would have been a pretty exciting time to do that. It was. I'm taking it you don't campaign horses just purely and simply because you don't have time between uh, your horses, JJ's horses and the kids' horses who are now at boarding school. There'd be enough to do at Guambagain every afternoon without having to worry about someone else's horse or do you just think that's not your deal? No, we sort of got plenty enough horses of our own and, yeah, we sort of don't have the time and I'd sort of probably be sooner riding one of my own and putting uh, miles into it. So how many drafts do you think you do in a year? Good question. I reckon probably 10. That's it. So, you know, this is the calibre of the man. He does 10 drafts a year and goes to the national finals three years in a row and wins. You'd have to be just quietly pretty proud of yourself. And if you're not, you should be. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm, I'm still a bit shocked, actually, after winning Greenvale because if you would have asked me four years ago would I, I ever win an Open at the ACA finals, I would have said no. So I am, no, I am very happy with my effort. So what, what do you think the future of the sport holds? Do you think it will ever get to the stage where it's professional? You know, you can be a professional cutter now. Do you think there will be the stage where it will become a professional sport? Or do you think that because of the family take on it and, and what that's something that seems to be held fairly dearly by all competitors is the family component of it, that'll just remain an amateur sport that people do on the weekends? Good question, Kay. I'm not sure, but I hope it stays where it's at. It's, it'd be good. Yeah, it, it, is a, it is a good family sport. If you had any advice to anybody who's wanting to enter into the sport, and be it a young ringer who's starting out and, and you know, they can ride, which lots of them can do, but they're not the best riders in the world, they're not the worst, what would be your word of advice to them if they were said came to you and said... I think I'm going to go camp drafting. You know, you've got a wealth of knowledge and a lot of it's self-taught just by hard work on your behalf. Is it you just got to be persistent with your training? Is it, you know, you've got to go and find it, get a good horse under you and, and continue to train? What do you, what, what's your word of advice to, to someone who's not as lucky as your kids to have someone who's as involved in the sport, who's as good at the sport as you are? I would suggest um, to them to... Go and do a couple of schools of 
someone that they like and then when they get into a bit more into drafting, look at people they think a bit of and learn from that. All those people out there who are following the camp drafting circles, I'm sure you'll come across AD again and uh, if you uh, happen to see him, wish him congratulations and I'm sure if you ask him for a bit of advice, contrary to what he's saying here today, he will hand it over and we wish you safe riding for the rest of the year, AD. Thank you, Kay. From the Saddle is brought to you by Hewitt Consulting and Communications. Specialising in rural business and marketing design, find them on Facebook and Instagram.